0: Michigan State football ends their season at five and seven we look back at how just unimaginably bad this season was what the biggest storylines going into this offseason are and then yeah at the end we got to talk about our Michigan State basketball team as well looking back at all three games, the stars from each game, and just talk about how good of a weekend it was as well in segment three. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is happening, everyone? It is your host of Lockdown Spartans, Matt Sheehan, and thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. We are recording right now, Saturday evening. This is just mere hours after. Well, the Michigan State season is officially over. Uh, yes, that whole five and seven bowl game thing will not be happening unless uh, something crazy happens or a bunch of teams for some reason say no to bowl games. But yes, this is the por- the post mortem of the season and. I, I am ashamed to admit it. Um, I, I feel dirty admitting it. I feel, I feel like a fraud admitting it. And look, uh, I I like to think of myself as a big Michigan State fan. Lo- love this team. Love the program. Love the school. I love you guys, the whole Spartan family. But, you know, I, I'm not sure if I could have stomached just watching one more series of this season, to be honest. Uh, it, it is It is all put to bed. The season is out of its misery. Yes, of course, if they made the Cure Bowl or the Myrtle Beach Bowl or the Serve Pro Bowl, whatever, yeah, I would have watched every single minute like the idiot that I am. But we can all move on with our lives right now or basketball season, depending on how healthy of a lifestyle you want to live. But yeah, it's it's over. And we got to talk about it. Five and seven on the year. And before we get into the nitty gritty, the, the dirty, grimy stuff that no one wants to talk about, my... Thoughts immediately go to these players. Top to bottom, freshmen, to guys that seem like they're ninth-year seniors, and I especially do really think about and feel bad for. Uh, guys that did not have to come back, but opted to anyway, like Xavier Henderson, Jaden Reed. I'm sure I'm missing some other players. Maybe some other players behind the scenes weren't sure if they were going to come back, but end up doing so. And I just feel awful that this is what they came back for. A season that, after a Peach Bowl year, had a lot of hype going into it. You start the season rated, well, we thought rightfully so, in the top 20. To fizzle out and go 5-7, and seven, but also too, like the two guys I just mentioned, Reed and Henderson, dealing with their injury issues throughout the season as well. Look, I, clowns like me, you know, just mere fans on the sidelines. Uh, we, we feel awful about the season. We have a horrible taste in our mouths. I mean, I, I've i lost more sleep than I'm willing to admit on a silly little game played by college kids. But, yeah, you got to think about the college kids right now. And I, I think a lot of us do that, no doubt about it. But as disappointed as we are, I just wanted to take the first minute or two to recognize, you know, the kids that are actually putting the work and the guys waking up at four or five in the morning in the summer during the season, grinding away. So with that said, um, let, let's get into the year. And I, I'm sorry if you're looking for a full game recap, I, I, we might get a little into it in the second segment. I, I just think that it's more important to talk about the whole season because this game was nothing that you haven't seen before this year. It was just more of the same. And unfortunately against a pretty good team, In Penn State. And you know, one more note about these kids actually is I I also think about Henderson and Reed and other guys too, like Slade, for example, a lot a lot of these older players. And they ain't gonna be here next year. And that already gives me the spooky season for what's about to come the next few months. Every off-season in college football, is a big offseason. It doesn't matter how great of a program you are or how downtrodden of a program you are. Every offseason is a big offseason, but man, the vibe going into this offseason is woefully different than it was last year. Coming off the Peach Bowl, we got all these recruits going on, life is so good, and now it's like, well, who's on the chopping block right now? And holy crap, that signing day going on in December, is this class going to stay intact? And Uh, Are we really sure that this is going to work out long-term? Because let's get into what happened this season now. Uh, We walked into this season, I think the majority of us, I'll I'll speak for the majority right here because I I think I got a good pulse on this, a lot of us were insanely optimistic going into this season, the, the direction of the program and everything like that. And here we are, this season... I was gonna say literally couldn't have gone worse, but okay, you could have gone zero and twelve. You know, okay, it could have been a lot worse. But how about this? This season went unimaginably bad, and I'm talking like before the season. Never did I think that this would be where we are at the end of week thirteen talking about not a bowl game you know great performances in the penn state game you know, going over three against that top tier in the big 10 east that you wanted to compete with still not even doing well in that middle tier you lost to maryland and now you're here in the bottom tier of the big 10 east with indiana the team you lost to the team you're up 17 points against i'm still couldn't close out and Rutgers, which oh yeah you beat them awesome that'll be a Great video to play at the end of the year banquet, but that is not even, what. I'm sorry, that wasn't even on my radar going into the season. That coming off the Peach Bowl with some senior players that you feel pretty good about just going this bad, and of course, yes, I get it. Okay, you're probably already thinking it. Well, there were a lot of injuries. Uh, They went the last four weeks of the season without having to tackle in practice because so many players were just dead, and... The body count was so low that they couldn't afford any other injuries. And, yes, the talent gap was there. Last year was kind of a, a mirage of sorts with Kenneth Walker saving us throughout the season. I I get all that. I, I, I 100% get all of that. But, man, it you're telling me the talent gap is that big with a team like Indiana? Uh, and, yes, I'm still hung up in that game. A part of me died last Saturday. I have not been right. Ever since last Saturday, um, that was the hardest I've taken a loss since maybe 2006 against Notre Dame. But yeah, this was a season that was awful. And that's why I just can't even bear to think of watching another second of a bowl game. But here we are. And there are going to be a lot of storylines going into this offseason. No doubt about that, which we will get into in the second segment here. But... Yeah, you walk into the season after the Peach Bowl feeling really good. And there was a listener before the season that reached out. And I'm so sorry, I, I forgot this gentleman's name. But he reached out and said, hey, give me the record of the season where you'd be ecstatic. Give me the one where you'd be, eh, okay, that was fine. And give me one that you would start to be really concerned about this program moving forward. And, you know, that, that you know great season. Obviously, double-digit wins. You know, 10 wins just like last season. The, eh, okay, things are going fine. I said go eight and four, nine and three, maybe even seven and five. But if you have a good signing day in December, like the future of the program, feeling pretty good about it. And I set the bar, what I thought was pretty low, in the basement, saying six and six. But if you still have like a top 25 recruiting class, look, it's not great. I'm not going to feel good about it in the moment. But looking back, you'd be like, okay, yeah, that's okay. Couldn't even really get there. And again, the, the injuries and yet it. However, when I answered that question too, I said it's also going to be how you lose these games as well. And who you lose to. I didn't necessarily have a 30-point home walloping against Minnesota on my radar. I didn't have losing that badly to Maryland on my radar. And what really hurts, what really hurts the confidence level of this thing moving forward is what happened last Saturday against Indiana. And, look, it wasn't just a one-off sample size of a late-game meltdown. Just a complete collapse at the end of the game at home on senior night to clinch a bull bid. No, because you also saw coaching gaffes made the Illinois game, the Wisconsin game. But, against all odds, the players actually, you know... (laughs) Despite the coaches trying to screw it up, they still got out and won. So yes, like that was also concerning as well, that it wasn't just talent gap all the time. You couldn't blame talent gap for every single loss this team had this season. Sometimes it was the people standing on the sidelines. And yes, of course, I don't think the whole staff is going to stay, and we're going to get to that storyline and more in a hot segment. But first, I just need to talk your ear off about Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system, so that more families can help feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. Did you know that Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report for a Third straight year. That's right. That is a three peat for Simply Safe. And their 24 7 professional monitoring service costs less than $1 a day. That is less than half the price of ADT's traditional, professionally installed system. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off your new Simply Safe system at simplysafecom locked on college. That's right. This is their biggest discount of the year. So don't wait. That's simplysafecom locked on college. There's no safe like simply safe. And before getting to the second segment of just continuing to talk about the season, the offseason coming up, oh boy, hey, thank you so much for making us your first listen or watch every single day here. Unlocked on Podcast Network, and there's no shortage of storylines here going into this offseason. And it, right now, it, it's a three way tie for first place, I think. And who I'm going to give one A to? Has has to, has to be what's going to go on with the coaching staff this offseason. And, well, no bowl games. We'll see what coach was pinned to what recruit, because maybe if you let go of the wrong guy, then you'll lose two guys in the recruiting trip. Anyway, slice it so there's a lot of nuance that we're not going to get into, but that, that's that got to be 1A is what happens to the assistant coaches right here. Mel Tucker, given one of the richest assistant coaching pools in the nation should be able to compete. I'm not saying he could go shopping for any job, like pull out Georgia's defensive coordinator from Athens or anything like that, but you, you can get solid guys with the money. And these guys are making solid money right now. The difference is that, well, I'm going to tell you all a tale of what happened in 2020, this thing called COVID happened. And you know where I'm going with this. He had to make a lot of these hires in February after the dust settled on a lot of the coaching carousels. So maybe that this could be a good opportunity for open season to find some strong assistance. And no, I'm not just talking about offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, even just position coaches as well. Strong recruiters because Lord knows you need strong recruiting if you're going to try to nab kids when you're not even playing in a bowl game. So yes, hey, don't go to that 10-win school, that 11-win school that's trying to get you down there come up here to sunny east lansing where we're not playing you're gonna need strong recruiting all right like yeah the the nil thing hopefully one day will help if that ever gets going into gear so but on top of that you need strong recruiting as well so and of course it's not just off the field stuff we cried up and down this season about what we saw on the field as well you also want that person to be competent in that area as well Special teams coach, mm, we might be talking directly to you. Who's to say? Who's to say? I don't know. But, yeah, that is going to be 1A of the biggest storyline going into the season. Number 1B is what's going on National Signing Day. Yes, you have more four-stars in a single class than you've ever had in Michigan State's program history. But, like everything I just said, this was optically not a great season. But also, hey, 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 hey with conversations that we've had with recruiting analysts on this show, they actually say that the record at the end of the season doesn't really dictate as much of a kid decision as maybe us outsiders think, for example. Like, no, just because a team goes 6-6 and or 4-8 and or whatever, like, doesn't actually waver them as much because what they really put up top of their priority list is coaching, how long they're going to be there, are you going to be sure that your coaches that you just commit to are going to be there for the three, four, five years that you're there for. So that's up there as well. But still, at the end of the day, let's not act like this isn't kind of a blemish in a way. So you just got to hope that the kids that are committed verbally to Michigan State right now have not put a lot of stock in the record this season. So can you still build in that class? Yes, there's the pipe dreams out there too. Like, can we flip Dante Moore? from Oregon, because Oregon's offensive coordinator is leaving for Arizona State to be their head coach. So is that open season now for the Detroit Martin Luther King five-star product? I, who knows, who knows? And then number, um, number one C, sorry, I'm already getting mixed up in my head. Uh n- Number one C storyline heading into this off season. Look, I, I get it. Okay. The quarterback can't, Win you games or lose you games or I don't know what everyone keeps saying or like quarterback wins and losses aren't a step. That's the most important position on the field. All right, hard stop there. Quarterback is the most pos- important position on the field. What is going to happen with Peyton Thorne in the offseason? And I will, I will throw my hand up. Hey, look, sometimes I nail takes. Um, and, well, you guys know this too. Sometimes I do the exact opposite of nailing takes. And this season... Uh-oh, uh, I'm just going to hope that everyone doesn't remember the episodes before the season, early in the season, where I said that this is probably Peyton's last year, because I think he's going to play himself in the NFL draft. I think he's going to be a strong day two, maybe day three guy. And Uh-oh, um, that's not necessarily what happened this season. But yes, that is that is one C on my hierarchy of top storylines going into this offseason, is what's going to happen with Peyton Thorne, because of course he can come pack next season will he though and is this the hard conversation that the coaching staff is going to have with Peyton Thorne and I, I'm going to say this right now I have no insight whatsoever I don't have any inside baseball sometimes I do Some sometimes I, I, I will have some and kind of sneak it in there and coded language during these episodes but this is not one of these times I don't know the staff's opinion on him but it is going to be fascinating to see how this plays out is he going to be encouraged to go elsewhere, I guess, for lack of a better term? It's not like Mel is stranger to processing any kid out of here, but oh boy, would it be something seismic, seismic to maybe scoot your quarterback out here. And it's crazy to say it too, right, about a kid that set a program record for touchdown passes last season. But, however, I don't think I'm off base with this comment here. I, I think we saw the ceiling for Peyton Thorne so far in his career. I, I I think we've hit it, and it was fine. It got the job done last year, and I think a lot of that, too, was aided also by Kenneth Walker. And also, too, on the flip side, not to totally bury the kid, the whole season not his fault either. The whole offense is not his fault either. Hell, just take today's Penn State game. Kid, Peyton Thorne probably sprinted for a total of 9.5 miles today. Kid was running for his life the entire game. He saw... Nittany Lion jerseys around him more than he saw state jerseys around him. it. It was just a barrage of pressure. And there were games throughout the season like that as well. But still, there were spots here and there that were just like, okay, it would be desirable to have maybe a guy with a higher ceiling over there. And you got the younger kids too. And I'm sorry, I, got, I should say young, younger kid in Katenhauser, Hauser, the, the four-star from California, true freshman this year, really got, I will call it no playing time this year. Yeah, he had a few snaps against Akron. That was fun. But no, it's going to be fascinating to see if the coaching staff wants to flip the page, start to get the guy they recruited involved in the offense sooner than later, or if Peyton does stick around. And okay, if Peyton sticks around, does Caden Hauser really want to hang around for another year before getting a start? Or what? Do the other offensive weapons wanted? I don't. That is going to be fascinating going up. So yes, between the coaching carousel, signing day coming up in December, and then well, what happens with Peyton Thorn? Like I, you, you could take your pick for the biggest storyline going into this off season. Um. If you have any other storylines that I've completely missed, if you're listening on YouTube right now, comment below, uh, or if email is more your speed, lockedonspartans at gmail.com. We got a lot of conversation going on in that email inbox, especially after last Saturday's game, and a lot of people want to talk about the game itself or whatever. People want to talk about uh, my reaction after the game. I was a, I lost my mind after that game. I'm sorry I'm not proud of it. I really let my emotions get the best of me, but I also don't take anything back of what I said. And I got heated too because, well, I, what grinded my gears last week, of course the game was horrible. You know, gr- you, not, you never want to blow a 17-point lead at home. But it was just the lack of accountability after the game. But uh, anyway, not to re- rehash all that. LockedOnSpartons at gmail.com is the place to find us. So, yeah, any storylines, any questions you want to hit up, we might just do like a a, a fan postseason Press conference. So, AKA, that's a fun word or a fun phrase to uh, put in place of mailbag. So, yeah, we'll do a mailbag soon with questions about this season. Hit us up, lockinsparts at gmail.com or comment below on YouTube. Now, really quick before we say goodbye to talking about football, this week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the drivers themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to... Sorry, I can't not laugh during this segment. Oh, man, this cannot be what Nissan had in mind. Um, every week, we got to pick out a great play and talk about it. This must be a sweet segment for any team and their host as watching their team go to a bowl game. All right, Matt, focus. Batting on the hatches. Come on. Mr. Nissan wants to make this one count. All right. When I think of an unbelievable ability on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be... It has to be Jack Stone's 51-yard field goal, and I'm watching that thing sales through the uprights being like, that's the only good thing that happened this half, and I can't be happy about it, because why am I watching this kid pipe a 51-yard field goal on the road just with stones? And I'm watching other weeks where we're missing 23-yard field goals to win the game with another kicker. So, yeah, you want a thrilling moment. That was your thrilling moment. Great kick by Jack Stone. You talk about the epitome of too little too late in the season. How about that right there from Michigan State special teams. Also, hey, Malik Carr's touchdown catch was pretty sick. Good to see him grab that ball. So there you have it. This segment, that's right, has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier. Our Mater or Pathfinder today, available now at NissanUSA.com. So this Michigan State basketball team, uh, le- fun, let me tell you, and they wrap up their weekend Thanksgiving tournament in Portland on a pretty good note. A scary note at the end, but we'll get that to that in a hot second. But hey... Two wins, one loss, and I'm going to use a G word right here, and I'm not going to use the word great. It wasn't a great weekend, but that was a very, very good weekend by Michigan State's basketball team. No doubt about it. I'm not ashamed to say it. I get it. It's Portland, okay? It's Oregon. That's essentially throwing a fraternity all-star team out there with all their injuries they have. And yes, they lost to Alabama, but... Let's talk circumstances right here, what Michigan State was also dealing with too because, uh-oh, you're out two starters going into the weekend. Malik Hall, he's got a foot problem or ankle problem. He's He's, he's got an injury. That's going to keep him out four weeks. And then Jaden Aikens, yes, well, he hasn't started yet this season, for sake of conversation, he's one of your five best players. We'll call him a starter for this. You're out two of those guys. If you tell me that was out, Akins and Hall that you are going to leave Portland with a two and one record. Sign. Where do I sign? Sign me up. That sounds fantastic because also this field has no slouches in it. Uh, yes, some teams are better than the others, and yes, some teams are dealing with injury issues as well, like Oregon. But hey, hello. Look at us. Uh, Michigan State is also dealing with injury issues as well, and they go two and one. Another team. Has two starters out as well. Has top 25 aspirations in Villanova. Tell me how they did. I, in, in comparison, Michigan State escaping with a 2-1 and one record out of Portland I think is very, very good. So, let's get into it. Uh, just a little weekend recap. We'll go game by game here. Talk about each player. Um, the Bama game. Thursday night. Thanksgiving as everyone has 20 pounds of turkey in them. Maybe a few cocktails, whatever. But that, if you were up for that game... Congrats, you're a true fan. And I gotta say, I- I've never been less bothered by a Michigan State loss in my entire life. And a lot of it goes back to what we just talked about. I mean, Michigan State is essentially playing with seven Division I scholarship players. Uh, it's it, You talk about handcuffing yourself early in the season. You are playing with just Tyson Walker, Joey Hauser, Matty Soko, AJ Hogarth, Pierre Brooks into the starting role. And then, well, your guys that you are relying off the bench are, you know, two guys in Trayvon Holloman, Jackson Kohler, two four-star freshmen. You know, you expect them to play a little bit here and there. But Carson Cooper is kind of playing out of necessity here. You know, he was meant to be this project the entire time. He has to play because, well, yeah, he kind of has to because you need to field five bodies on the court and you just need to throw them out there. And also Jason Whitens as well getting some first half minutes for Michigan State. I don't know if that was part of the plan ever going into the season. And yeah, he's he's a fine player. He's he's okay. He was a role player at Western Michigan. But I think by the time the season gets into March, I don't know if he's going to be part of the rotation. But he had to be this weekend. And yeah, he held his own. He was there at the end of the Portland game as a defensive specialist. I'm not calling the man a total bum. But look, the, the, the reality is that Seven players that ideally were going to play the season. That's all you had for this game. So, yes, to lose to Alabama, a team that's very athletic, plays in a track meet style. And oh yeah, has this guy by the name of if I could talk by the name of Brandon Miller. That worked a lot better. Alabama having a guy by the name of Brandon Miller doesn't help things. And when you have Malik Hall as one of your players out for that game. Okay, well that kid's gonna go off. Alabama's gonna go off. You're beaten down with injuries. What are you gonna do? Okay, you get into your next game with Oregon, and I think that's just a fine win, you know. And yes, they talked all up and down about Oregon's injuries, and they have a laundry list of injuries, but okay, so does Michigan State as well. They they grinded it out. They gutted it out. It was a classic get-it-out-the-mud victory right there. And he also had some great individual performances in that game, which we will get to in a little bit. But also, hey, this Portland team that Michigan State tried their best to choke against (laughs) on Sunday night, almost lighting up a 10-0 run to end the game in the last minute. Instead, it was just an 8-0 run. You know, nothing crazy, just something normal like that. But still, hey, this was a Portland team that, to me, reminded me of any 12-seed. Any, you know, 13 seed that we see every March Madness buzzsaw its way to the Sweet 16. You know, just one of those mid-major teams that are just white-hot for a weekend. That just get to that next weekend because, well, they picked that weekend to be untouchable. Look, Portland kept it close against North Carolina for most of the game. And yes, North Carolina is not the number one team in the country. They are a little overrated. But at the end of the day... They're probably still a top-15 team. They're still a team that went to the national title game last year, and Portland was right there with them. They blow the absolute freaking doors off of Villanova. And, oh, yeah, when you do get to play them, of course it's going to be essentially in their own backyard. Like, it is a home game for them. So that is a good win against a Portland team. Whew, that, that that was really feeling themselves that week. So, yes, I know on the schedule, oh, yeah, you beat Portland. Now, if you watch how they performed all weekend uh, and knew that Michigan State had seven players, we'll call it nine players, a shallow depth chart, let's call it. I think we all agree on that. That's a really good set of wins right there. So the weekend report for all the players, uh, I almost had co-MVPs for Michigan State this weekend between Tyson Walker and Joey Hauser, but I just have to give the edge to Tyson Walker. 18.3 points per game in this tournament. And one turnover, not not per game, not averaging one turnover per game. How about one turnover the entire weekend for Mr. Tyson Walker? He showed out when another point guard didn't always necessarily show out as well. We'll get to him in a hot second. But Mr. Joey Hauser, yes, he had the turnovers late against Oregon, against Portland. But look, if you battle as hard as he did... For the first 39 minutes of both of those games, I'm not going to be screaming about him. I'm not going to be whipping coffee mugs against the wall right now. No, Joey Hauser, 13.6 points per game. He had 18 points, 10 rebounds against Oregon. And that was with what looked to be a bum ankle too. I don't know how many times he plans on rolling that ankle throughout this season. But man, you talk about just strapping on the bootstraps and getting to work anyway. Joey Hauser did that, and so far early on this season, this is the Joey Hauser that we all like to see, the Joey Hauser that we left last season with in the Davidson game. So, point blank, yes. Good games against Oregon, Portland. Decent, okay game against Alabama. But look, when you're assigned to Brandon Miller more than you'd like to be because Malik Hall is out, well, okay. I I can see how the offensive game diminishes a a little there as well. Now, A.J. Hogard... Fascinating weekend for him. Uh, he really came on strong in the second half of that Portland game. And not just you know the buckets, the assists, the uh, limiting the turnovers a little bit, but also just the body language in general. Something that's not going to appear on the box score. If you were a smart and healthy person and didn't stay up until 2.30 in the morning on Saturday night to watch Michigan State play, you, you miss an A.J. Hogarth that really looked like he'd rather be anywhere else in the world than a basketball court. And we also kind of saw some odd body language by a guy that's supposed to be a captain and a leader on this team in the Alabama game as well. And, you know, not to speculate anything going on, but it's like, okay, is is everything okay with you, AJ, or uh, what's going on here? Do you just not like playing (laughs) past midnight Eastern time? That could be the case, but the second half against Portland... He had that dog back in him. That was a point guard that looked like he cared. He's given the guys the, the too small motion. And is it cocky? Sure. But can you be cocky if you're having that good of a half? In my in my book, yes. We could all disagree on that. But hey, AJ Hallgard, strong finish to the weekend after a concerning sort of start. And then also a guy with a strong finish to the weekend as well, Mati Sissoko. And look, I think this weekend was maybe a correction for him and what we as fans can expect from Mati Sissoko. Uh, he had a great game on the aircraft carrier. Ama- amazing game against Kentucky, but has kind of fallen quiet ever since then. Uh, did not crack into the double digits in the Villanova game or any of the first two games of the PK-85, but did put up 11 points against Portland. But I So by correction, what I mean is that Look, I left the Kentucky game thinking, oh snap, this man's going to be first team all Big Ten candidate, second team all Big Ten at worst, but what we have here is just a pretty good big man, you know, no Naismith candidate, and that's okay, that's okay. If we remember where this kid was his first two years at Michigan State, I'm still okay with having Matty Sissoko just being eh, a pretty good player, but yeah, kind of quiet since the Kentucky game, but... Left the weekend on an upward trajectory. And then last but not least, you talk about rising your stock. And you know what? I don't think this man's stock could have been raised anymore in between his own ears because Pierre Brooks has the most self-confidence I've ever seen of any player in my entire life. This man thinks he's Steph Curry, and sometimes he shoots it like him too. Like against Portland. Four for four from three-point land. Okay, there you go. Jacked up. 12 three-pointers against Oregon. I know the box score says 11, but he had his the, the, the toenail on the line for one of those. Regardless, shot just about a dozen three-pointers. Made three of them, or four if you want to count the one where his toenail was on the line. Regardless, good game right there. And that's just going to be the Pierre Brooks experience. Sometimes this microwave of a man is going to win you games sometimes he's not you know he didn't have a sterling game against Alabama but he was certainly wasn't the difference between a win or a loss. Alabama was just that great of a team with all of MSU's limitations but man the Pierre Brooks experience is fascinating. I love the kid's moxie. I love his shot too, especially when it's fallen, but man that's uh that's that's a shooter that has that dog in him and the confidence that you want to see in a shooter as well. So yeah, overall Really, really good weekend from Michigan State, a team that played so – have I mentioned that yet, that Michigan State was handcuffed with their depth in this week and they had some injury issues? Have I mentioned that 58 times already? But I can't reiterate enough how important that is. If they lost this game against Portland, Wednesday's game against Notre Dame doesn't become a must-win. Okay, There's no must-win games in November, but really start to get a little nervous – Oh, this team's four and three. Now they're going into the South Bend. They could leave four and four, but now you're five and two. You got a pretty good cushion going into Big Ten play, which, my God, starts this Sunday against Northwestern, which is crazy. But yeah, overall, I- I'm all smiles. Uh, this is a really good weekend, and what else can be said? So hey, keep it tuned. We got a full slate of shows coming up this week. We'll mix in the football, the basketball. We'll Steven Brooks on the show. We're gonna have a hoot and a half. Catch all the news here, the analysis, just the fun banter between fans here on Lockdown Spartans, your team every single day. Now let's go enjoy the rest of our weeks. Love you all. Go Green.